Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty, a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Welcome back, Chooms, to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl, Genesis, and with me, as always, is Toasty. Were you dancing right there? What was that? I don't know what you're talking about, Jen. All right, sure. I may Uh have. I may have. I don't know. I tried to stop when you looked towards where I know I'm at on your screen because <laughs> I was like, I don't want her to start laughing and break like the intro. Break. Yeah, I don't think I've ever broken before. I'm your girl. Like that's that's. I can normally get through that first part. Okay. Yeah, I, I felt I heard your voice change, like pitch up, like a little bit. I was like, oh, yep, she saw me. Never mind. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, sometimes a dance. Yeah. Um, So I published a Spotify comment this morning uh, that brought up an interesting question. Obviously, we know the answer to this, but you brought up the point that maybe people don't know the answer to this. So McChicken, thank you so much for asking the question. Their comment states, hey, I really enjoy Cyberpunk 2077, but is the tabletop game considered canon? Uh, and the answer is absolutely. So the video game itself is based off of the tabletop, which was already well established um, by the time that the game was put into development, because I think at that point they'd done 2013 and 2020. I believe. Um, and so a lot of the Johnny stuff that we see is stuff that is, that was talked about in the 2020 like books or expansions or whatever. Um, and then we also know very specifically because it's talked about is um, Artasaurian uh, does work very closely with CDPR to ensure that the, the like, pre-established canon of the game um, and uh, is followed through and that if the game, like the video game decides to do anything like Artel Sorian can establish that as well. Um, because I think cyberpunk red, uh, which is the 2045 period in cyberpunk was released the, like the summer before 2077. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they work closely together to make sure that everything lines up. It is very much canon. Yeah. And that's why a lot of the information that we relay in this show is based off of the TTRPG lore and why we go through the decades and the timeline is that because we have the reference materials from those timelines 
And then we bring up the actions that happen in the game because 2077 is so far in the future from what we, the current Artel Saurian timeline is at 2045. Um, yeah. Yep. And then the really cool thing that I remember that we talked to Jay Gray about was in in an established character in 2077 who was a unique CDPR creation, then got a backstory added in 2045, which I thought was really cool. Yep. And they even have, uh, like, some of, uh, I believe, in the afterlife, there are, like, pictures of, like, 2045, like, characters Mm -hmm. that were... um, Because a lot of the tabletop characters that are like put into the actual games are products of the devs playtesting and -hmm. running games of their own and uh, some of those characters or a lot of those characters make it into the official material so like spider murphy was what am i thinking mike pondsmith's wife's character uh when they were playing uh a 2020 like game i believe Mm-hmm. So I don't know the name of his wife. So. Uh, other characters like Carrie Uridine, his story started uh, in the TTRPG um, and like, well, all the samurai band members um, all, yep. along with Johnny Adam and Smasher. Smasher. Yeah. So it's all rooted in the, the tabletop. Oh, and Rogue. And all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are, I think those are like big, like, those are big names that are like NPCs that are actually NPCs. And mm-hmm. there's some other ones and stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot. But yeah. All canon. I don't think there's there's any. Sorry. I, I don't think that there's anything out there that is cyberpunk that is not canon. Because even little lore tidbits that was in the card game. Those are considered canon as well. Yeah. And Edge Runners. Um, Edge Runners is canon. Yep. It's very cool that they have like developed a like such a like close interlinking universe where everything actually like lines up with each other. So yeah. So thanks for the question. Thanks for the Spotify comment. And yeah, Toasty, are you ready to dive into this? I'm ready to talk more about your Phantom Liberty playthrough. We left off from Lucretia. And now you are at The Damned, and I am so excited for you to talk about this one because it answers some of the questions you have and why I had to hide my face last week. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I guess just to, like, give it the, like, small overall summary before I get into, like, my notes specifically, this one is about meeting up with Alex, which was someone that Solomon used to work with. And then you go and meet up with this voodoo boy um, that from their past and shit gets fucking crazy. <laughs> so, um, that's the little like brief summary of that. Um, but yeah, we pick up, we're supposed to meet Solomon at the moth bar, um, which is located in the freights area mm-hmm. of the map. I can't remember the official name of it, but it is that like freight container community to start off you know i walk in i meet daphne which from from stuff we've seen i was like okay this is alex but 
you know, they're they have a cover. Um, and like the fucking the accent and the like the honey pie, I was like, you know, something I was it was doing it for me. I just want to say that. Um it was doing it for me. I was like, I was I was a little like, um, what? I'm sorry, what did you say? Uh <laughs> I was a little shook. Um, but yeah, so Solomon comes in, uh, she immediately breaks cover, um, tells everyone to get the fuck out. Uh, and we get to see the first like showcasing of this like fancy mask technology that they have, um, that can like completely change your appearance. And it's apparently like high level Militech access kind of stuff that only like the high level agents get access to. Uh, and then we have a bit of a conversation. He, Solomon, apparently the, the, story they gave to Alex was that he sold out to Arasaka. So naturally, she's not okay. Uh, and it got her shafted for seven years. And she's very upset. And I was like, okay, that's fair. That's honestly very fair. This the information you were given. She said something about like, it was like getting her dick pinned to the wall. And I was like, please don't pin my dick to the wall. <laughs> I would really prefer if you didn't do that. <laughs> It sounds extremely painful. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Also for sure. Dear listener, I uh, really want to know that if the replacement for Alex, after she kind of steps away from the bar for a little bit, and uh there's somebody else working the bar for her while Alex is undercover again. And I wonder how Toasty's gonna feel about the new bartender. Be on the lookout for them. Oh, okay. I didn't even pay attention to the other bartender, dude. Oh, no. It's a completely different person. Like, there's there's the two bartenders when you first meet Alex. Um, I'm not talking about them. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I'll have to pay attention to that. Then I've only returned to the moth once. Part and of, Alex like, the is still working. Thing. Yeah. Well, there's no one in it. I don't think you, whenever you do the second return either, it's like just Solomon. Granted, I think the relic starts acting up, so you don't really see a whole lot that's happening in there. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. But you kind of you go outside, you get to talk to her. Um, and I was like, oh fuck, we're gonna get some answers. She's gonna tell Never mind, she doesn't actually say anything. <laughs> nothing, nothing of note, really. She's just like, because of what happened seven years ago, she got shafted. That's about the extent. She doesn't actually tell us what happened seven years ago. So it's like, okay, fine, whatever. Like, they can't just give up the plot this soon. That's fine. Yeah. And then she wants that good, good retirement plan, which is like fucking like sitting on a fucking island beach somewhere, sipping Mai Tais uh, on a fucking yacht or something. I don't know. I That also made me beg the question, right? Is there like locations that are like preserved to like how they like we see them? Like, are these, like, fancy, like, tropical islands? Are they still, like, just fancy tropical islands? I mean, I guess they could be. I don't I see mean, most why of those not. places are pretty small, right? So, like, I guess you won't, you don't get a whole lot out of, like, sniper punking them up. Yeah, I guess there would still be. Or, I mean, why does, I mean, even if it's, like, we have man-made islands and things right now, who's to say that in the future, maybe in, like, 2050 some new billionaire just decides that he wants to build his own new private island fair enough i guess yeah i guess you can kind of do that 
just build it all on Phil, like they yep. did with <laughs> Night City. Oh, maybe Hopefully not. There's Night no City. earthquakes out there. I'm thinking the islands off of Dubai or the ones that they made out of uh, off of Florida. I haven't. I'm not familiar with those, so I'll have to look those up at some point. But it's fine. You, she tells you that you go inside, um, and you get to talk to uh, them about Slider, which is. Uh, a voodoo boy um, that I guess makes his home set up in Dogtown at Luxor Heights. Fan- that sounds fancy as fuck. Uh, everything in this in Do- it's funny because everything in Dogtown sounds so fucking fancy, but it's the shittiest place in Night City. <laughs> well, because <laughs> it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be fancy yeah, and no, high class. I know. It's just funny because there's Luxor Heights. There's the Black Sapphire. There's, um, what's the place that Hands fucking rocks out of? The... I can't remember. Place is like super the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that place is fucking fancy as hell. Like, and that place is fancy. To be fair, the the pyramid place is pretty fucking fancy. It's the heavy um, heart. The heavy, yeah. Like all of this sounds like some fancy shit, but it's like. Yeah, everything outside of them is fucked. Um, but they so they tell us they tell me this, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And I turn to leave, and then I hear them start talking because you know they told me to leave so that they could like catch up. And then I hear them start talking. And I was like, you okay, totally got an eavesdrop. Yeah, I wonder if I can listen in on this. And I just stood in the doorway of the bar, so there's no like key thing of like having to be out of sight or whatever. I think it's a distance thing generally whenever you come across like these kinds of conversations. I think mm-hmm. if you get too close, sometimes they stop. I know it happened whenever I was in the black market. I came across like these two dudes that were behind some crates, like having a secret conversation. I got too close and they were like, Hey, uh uh, can you fuck off? <laughs> it's just like, like they stopped talking. Um and it's it's actually like really interesting. So they asked each other about significant others. For one, um, which I think Solomon says about like nothing since that one person like way back when or whatever. So, you know, just like some small talk stuff there. Um, She asked about Reed's hobbies and like I was trying to like take notes actively. So it was hard to like catch everything because they were just going and you can't like pause this dialogue. (laughs) You just keep letting them talking. Uh, so I think she mentioned something about like him liking basketball because mm-hmm. um, I think she said something about dunking or whatever. And so I assume that he's a big basketball guy, which makes sense. We met on a basketball court. So yeah. that was pretty cool. Um, and then they have like a little vague like conversation about why they're still in Night City. And it's like, I think Solomon says, them, like, I guess things make you do th- like stuff and it was like it was very like vague it was the most vague non-answer you could give and i was like okay well that's fair for a conversation that you're technically like not supposed to hear so yeah. i'll take it but it was cool that there's like programmed like conversations that happen even when you're not like there so i thought it was interesting um, it, it happens a couple of times that i can think of Especially between uh, those two. Yeah, I've been like 
I'm actively like paying attention now to like things like that happening because I'm like, okay, that's a thing that can happen. I need to be on the lookout and make sure I don't be running around everywhere. Um, I actually have to slow down. <laughs> I've been playing this game so fast for the core stuff that it's like, I actually have to like stop and listen. Um, and then stepping outside, Johnny shows up um, and he says the line specifically, it's funny how the most beautiful thing in Dogtown is a monument to the dead. Yeah. Which is like, damn, Johnny, okay, we're getting real already with it, <laughs> like shit. Uh, and then again, I'm just going to state for the record, I am getting increasingly annoyed with how the responses work in mm. this fucking game. Because like, the the line it tells you is never like the line you actually say if you click that option. And I'm getting a little frustrated with it because it's like, I'm trying not to be sarcastic because I want to be like real with Johnny. And like, it doesn't like, I'll give him like what seems like the real response. And then like V gives like this sarcastic as fuck answer. And I was just kind of like, like, stop. Because he doesn't like that. He gets upset when you say these things. It was like, I'm trying to get more. I quit fucking up my life. Yeah. So, but like, it's fine. We trek through, we figure out the game. It seems to generally be that, like, if you want the realist response to Johnny, you pick the second dialogue option. Mm. There's usually four. The first one tends to end up to be the sarcastic one, and the bottom two are Johnny. I don't give a fuck about what you're saying. Yeah. If there's only three, it's still the second one. Like it's just it's just the second one generally seems to be the one that like gives you the most like real response. Yeah. Um, but and he like teleports over to the tree and I to a talking about like how he gets how Solomon and Alex are. Like he like empathizes with like the relationship that they have because he understands it with like his specific background. And like, it is a little like strange because he's like you. You think that like he's actually like being like legit, like you know, like he feels for them, and then like you know, you respond and he tells you that like, no, their friendship's doomed to fail because they're constantly going to be picking duty over their friendship, and it's like, well, yeah, like that's exactly what happened. I was a. And like I considered it to be a pretty like it's only like a couple minutes of a dialogue, and it's like it gets so real. And it's like like all of these Johnny moments, like these small Johnny moments, have been my favorite things so far. Agreed. So this conversation was it stood out to me as really important. So I took screenshots of it. Um, so the line that my V said was got a bond. The two of them took maybe four minutes and they buried the hatchet. Johnny goes, see it clear as day. Any shred of friendship they've got left left will fizzle out. Not right now, but soon could have spilled the truth years ago. Stayed chooms, but no stubborn old Reed had his orders. And then, so those were the only ones that I took. And then my next screenshot is a text message from Carrie. So, fair enough. Yeah. So it was. It was just. I'm just constantly enjoying these. 
But yeah, then I go over to Luxor Heights, um, which reminds me of like Fallout New Vegas, the Luxor, uh, or the Luxon, I think. Um, I can't remember which one, but yeah. Uh, but I then like a lot of these things have you like doing waiting times. So it's kind of hilarious to me that I had to sit down on a bench and wait for Solomon to show up directly in front of the fucking front door. Like, like you can see me like, like it's a good thing. None of the guards were just like, were standing outside. Cause man, they would have been like, man, Hey, the fuck are you doing? Right. <laughs> it's just so funny. Cause it's just like, there's no one else here, by the way. It's very obviously a voodoo boys hideout because they have fucking voodoo boys in like spectral ass graffiti all over the building. And it's just like, like I'm just going to sit down here for two hours and nobody's going to ask any questions whatsoever. Maybe you were acting like you were gonked out of your brain. And so they just ignored you. I'm like all of my like every time I imagine like the waiting thing, it's just like V sitting like perfectly like with perfect like posture and there's like elevator music playing. <laughs> and like she's like lightly lightly tapping her foot along to the elevator music as she's waiting. Like <laughs> that nobody but her can hear. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe I am gawked out of my brain because <laughs> I'm hearing phantom music. <laughs> phantom liberty music? Uh-huh. that's the end of this pot no <laughs> uh, but yeah and then I think it's funny that she gives him so much shade because like straight up he shows up he's like I hope you haven't been waiting long and I was like well it was nighttime. it's still nighttime, so I'm gonna guess no but like V's just like well I guess you and Alex had a lot to talk about and I was like there's no need for the sarcasm they haven't talked to each other in seven years and she thought he was a traitor. Yes, they had a lot to fucking talk about. V, shut the fuck up. Wait, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what do you mean? That's rude as fuck for no reason. <laughs> yeah, V can be a dick. I know. I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you being a bitch right now? Stop it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I see you have a question here. Did I go knives in, or did I talk my way in? I didn't know talking my way in was an option. <laughs> uh, because I like show up and like Solomon's like, hey, like we should probably think like we should see if we can get another way around. So I try to do that. I'm trying to think. I might have just snuck in. Like didn't okay. attack them at all. Like I may have to kill like one person, I think, once I got to a certain area, but like I don't think I I didn't go knives out. I like snuck in through the okay. side thing. But I definitely had to kill them all leaving again. That's for sure. <laughs> Based on what happens during this part. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, you had, to, you had to kill them on the way out. But I was like, in the way in, you can just walk up and talk to the guards. And they're like, and then you can convince your way in. Um, if not, you probably went the route of the ventilation shafts. I did. Yeah. Which, by the way, can I just state the stealthing animation they do for Solomon looks goofy as hell. Because, like, I don't like it's just the idea of how like large of a man Solomon Reed is, just like, yeah, just, like, moving around, hands out, hands are always spread. By the way, like they're always out to fucking here, and he's just, and he goes so fast. 
when he's walking. Like his his crouch speed is so fast. <laughs> Keep that mental note. There's another point in time where you're gonna see the solo waddle. And yeah. The solo waddle? Is there a yeah. name for it? It's wild. But yeah. But you know, I got over there. I got to Slider, um, who is a a wheelchair bound blind a voodoo boy. Um, I'm assuming I think specifically they said that was whenever they tangled with him last. Uh so they fucked this dude up. Um and the first thing I noticed is that this dude sounded exactly like the voice actor for the Ripper Doc in Edge Runners. And I looked it up and I don't think like I didn't find anything that specifically said like that this dude voiced like slider, mm-hmm. but like in the listing for like the cast for Phantom Liberty is and I my apologies if I mispronounce this, but I believe it is Borges Etienne. Um and he is also listed in the cast for Phantom Liberty. It didn't say what voice he did. Um, mm. There may be an instance where he does multiple voices, but I'm pretty sure that's safe enough to assume that it's the same person because, like, there was like words that I was like, he's saying it the exact same as like the Ripper Doc. Yeah, like everything was the same. So, did you notice that whenever you were first going through this? Uh, yeah, the voice sounded familiar. I just and but I don't know if it is the same guy. Like I said, he was listed in the Phantom Liberty cast, but it doesn't say his thing. But I don't. I'm going to say it's safe enough. And maybe if I like look at something other than IMDb, maybe I'll find the actual answer. But who knows? Um, Possible. And then also, yeah. I mean, we can always just go back and listen to the voices side by side and see if we can tell. Well, that like way. it's I like the Ripper Doc's voice is like like fucking like drilled into my fucking head because I've watched Edge Runners so much. So. What is what is that those, hand those motion? Are his those are his hands. That's that's the oh, thing that sticks out fingers? to me. Yes, his fingers haunt my dreams. The Ripper Doc named fingers also haunts my dreams. Oh, well, now you can punch him without any repercussions. Oh, really? Hmm. I didn't know that. Yep. I mean, the repercussions I think are that he does it like offer you anything which i guess to be fair he had like the gold um pain editor mm-hmm. or second some, one of the the big ones or whatever before but i guess yeah you can just get that from anywhere yeah which is nice um but yeah and then like while we're talking to him uh for one he has to jack into the relic in order to like figure shit out which i'm immediately like i don't want a voodoo boy in my brain bro you I didn't want anybody cool. else in my brain after what fucking Songbird did. Throwing Johnny True. into a tar pit. Yeah, but the, that was just like, okay, well, this is the only way to do it. But also, like, I don't like this. Um, And you know what? It's fine. It ends up being not bad for me. It's bad for him. <laughs> um, And then he tells you that Songbird tapped into the relic using the Black Wall Protocol. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, what? Excuse me? Yeah. Why are we doing that? Why are we, why are we using Blackwall protocols? Why are we doing that? That, no. No. Can we not? 
But I guess that explains why it's so fucking creepy whenever she does anything. (laughs) Exactly. And why when you were the black wall. While you were talking about like, oh, her hacking animations are weirding me out. Because I was like, because she's using the black wall for the most minor of things. But I guess typically like speaking, like she like her animation, like her hacking animation color is same-ish to like whenever you do that one quest um for the voodoo boys or whatever it just i didn't link that together but i'm like yeah no actually i guess they technically do look very similar so makes sense i just didn't think about it but that's pretty fucked up um but cool you know i guess there's it's fine though because obviously nothing bad can happen from that right oh wait um i think i think because she did that if like and I, I did have a little bit of trouble understanding exactly what this dude was saying, but I think he said because she like used the black wall to get into the relic that if the relic fucks up anymore, you it could have the potential of breaking the black wall and releasing fucking net hell on earth. Mm-hmm. What the fuck, bro? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit of a consequence. Yeah, just some minor consequence, you know. This nothing terrible can happen from that, right? What the fuck, Songbird? Why are we doing this? Stop it! (laughs) You're not making a good case for yourself. (laughs) Um, and then that this next part makes an even worse case for because it's the most terrifying shit ever. I like ever seen in this fucking game um so far fair enough but that includes this tops the fucking like mystical maelstrom person like cyber psycho quest that you have earlier which was scary as fuck where there's like the maelstrom person in the tub and then comes out which like by the way they're in the tub they're not in the tub but then they're in the tub and then like they teleport around if you leave the area and come back it's like fucking creepy as shit um but yeah no this fucking this fucking takes the cake she like stops time for one um and immediately i think her first thing is that she's happy to see solomon which i'm kind of like are you though like are you sure what I just realized that the screenshot that I had pulled up. um, So this one was talking with Slider. My three options were. So he says, if your two leg bomb cracks down the middle, it will unleash a flood. Wipe us off the map just like Haiti. And I took the screenshot because I was like, do we know where Haiti was? Like, I'm. Like, in the timeline of what has happened so far, like, in 2045, when did Haiti get wiped off the map? But then my responses are, think you're exaggerating. Black Wall's why you fell out with the Pacifica Voodoo Boys. Or then the intelligence option is, means we're fucked. Damn. You know it's bad whatever the intelligence option is that... (laughs) Yeah. That's real bad. But yeah, so it's it's not great. And like 
we get this fucking like thing with like sh like she's like glitching out it's got the fucking like red like dark red like setting to it the other people are frozen uh she's doing you know her best johnny impression by fucking glitching all over the place and slider is actively getting his brain fried in this process <laughs> It's and you can like see it because it snaps back to reality for a second and he's fucking short circuiting and then she like freezes time again um and basically gives you the plan of hey we need like you need to infiltrate the black sapphire and then get me the fuck out um and then makes the point of like while she's glitching away specifically saying like i remember the deal we and then she's reiterating the like kindness factor a little too often for me like you are in pain and trying to hold a connection here like i think the natural thing to do is not to try to like re-emphasize that you're thinking about the deal like that's weird to me i don't know yeah it bothers me bothers like her niceness just i don't trust it i want to trust it but I can't, like, I just, it won't let me. But whatever. And that's about, that's the end of that thing. Fucking Slider gets his brain hooked. Um, Which I was Johnny upset didn't. about. Yeah, um, but I guess there's nothing we can do about that. I mean, motherfucker's, like, getting blackwalled actively. So, um, you know, not great for him. Uh, and then, you know, Johnny does pop up for a second to basically tell us, like, yeah, no, Solomon was never gonna fucking let this man leave alive anyways. Like he was he was coming here to kill this dude regardless. Um, and then you leave, and I had to fight my way out because they were upset that you killed their boss, which valid. Yeah. I can't blame you for that one. There is a quick time event for somebody who is a net runner, uh, which mm. I got, but I failed it the first time. Like, I was so engrossed in what was going on, I didn't hit the button fast enough to try and say whatever I needed to say. I think it was something about, like, oh, I got to yell at Reed to unjack him because it was, I, I swear it was a dual event where I had to unjack myself and then I yelled at Reed to pull the port out of Slider. Now, mm. I don't know if I failed it, because I failed to hit it in time, or if because Reed just didn't do it. But I reloaded the save to see if I could get it the second time. But no matter what you do, Slider still dies. I see, like, to be fair, that makes entire sense, though, because part of the thing, and this is a mechanic in Cyberpunk Red, is that you have to safely jack out or there is dire consequences. So like in Cyberpunk Red, if you don't safely jack out from uh, a port, you are subject uh, to the effects of every black ice in the net architecture. Whether right. you've made it as far as them or not, which like does have the potential of like, getting all that shit at one time can kill you. So like, I think even if like, Reed does do it or whatever, or I don't, I don't like, even if he did, he's, probably unsafely jacking out and like he would he would die anyways right i mean that's essentially what happened to alt right when johnny just right. ripped her cord yeah 
Yeah, she died because Johnny just ripped the cord out because he yeah. doesn't know anything about net running. So, yeah. So I think he's doomed regardless of what happens. But it like it would make sense um, that you would have like a chance to do it. But it's it would be like take the risks of the black ice because it is possible to survive those effects. But you just never know unless you've scoped out the whole architecture. So. All right. So moving on, it looks like you hit up a side quest next. Yeah. So I did the waiting for Dodger side quest, um, which is a small little thing. You're hired to like help some lady who wants you to help some cops. Um, and they're like trapped in a precinct with a bunch of, um, I think they might've been bar guest. So maybe like a, like a, one of his lieutenants or something was in charge of this group. Anyways, we, we go in there, like you can either kill all of them or like sneak in or whatever. It's hard to sneak in. I'll say that. Like I said before, the sneaking in this is pretty fucking difficult. Um, but I managed to. Um, the lady told me not to kill anyone, so I didn't because I was like, I don't know if this is actually like like a big deal or not. Because uh, you didn't have you don't have a quest marker for don't kill anyone um, like you normally do. But. Uh, so, but I was like, you know what? She said not to, it would only make it worse. So I'm going to try not to. And I'm glad I didn't, uh, because you get into like the fucking interrogation room and there is like, these cops are bloody as fuck. There's a ripped open dude on like the fucking table. And it's like, what the fuck happened in here, bro? Like what the hell? Um, and basically these two dipshits are corrupt cops that are in charge of like smuggling drugs. Um, and, they left a fucking bag of something on the table by this guy and the dude tried to ingest it, I guess, to hide evidence. And uh, it popped open and the dude like OD'd on it <laughs> because it was a whole lot of it. I think it was synth coke. Um, yeah. And then your, in, your, your job is to escort them out of the building. And then while you're like getting to like the parking garage to leave Dodger shows up um, basically like where's my stuff and I will say I really liked Dodger like he was he was he was cool I thought he was a dope ass like you know supposed like gang leader um, but like he was funny and they tell him like what happened because I told them I was like tell him the fucking truth just tell him the truth and they tell him the truth and he just laughs at him and I was like this dude's great um, and then yeah so like basically you can talk them out of it to like into letting them go um and then he'll check to see if his people are still alive upstairs and if you didn't kill any of them they don't like he's like okay we're cool they specifically he does tell the person to check their biomons and it's like okay and i was like well i'm glad i didn't kill anyone <laughs> yeah that's where i fucked up you killed the people everybody him yeah. yeah, I I just thought he was great. He was fun. Like straight up, like you tell him, and he's like, "So let me get this straight." And like goes back over the details, and they're like, "Yeah, that's what happened." And then there's just the pause, and he's just like, <laughs> like the fucking loudest laugh. I was like, I fucking love this guy. If he like tells me straight up, like, like I have no choice but to kill these two, I was gonna let him kill him. I didn't even care about the mission anymore. I was like, you know what, Dodger. You do you. I'm not killing you. I refuse. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I failed the sneakies, and so I ended up killing everybody. Yeah, no, he was fun. It was funny. I was, I was laughing my ass. (laughs) So it was just like a dumb like buddy cop thing. Like pretty much just what it is. It was like a buddy cop movie with like the two biggest dipshits in the world. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah, like that's about it. It was a fun little side quest. All right, so let's go from a side quest to our mid-break. Welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about the show and not the lore of cyberpunk. We don't have any new reviews to read out this week, and we don't have any new patrons to shout out. So go ahead, drop us those ratings, drop us those reviews, comment on Spotify. Toasty, you got anything to add to the middle of the show? Nah. All right. Then let's get back into it with No Easy Way Out. Yeah, this is another side quest. You get a text from Fred, the gym guy that like does your like boxing ring uh quest line um which i thought is neat and he tells you basically he's got a buddy who needs help and so you're supposed to go to the boxing ring like the outdoor arena and you know find him and help him out i'm like okay cool whatever um i pretty much do these side quests like whenever they pop up like i do those like like first all of the time mm-hmm. um so you know, I went over there and I was, it was like, find Aaron. And I was like, okay, well, I assume he's probably one of the dudes fighting. And so, you know, I scan him and I was like, oh my God, this dude. And it tells you like that, that like his name is Aaron. But that also, you know, the, of course, the stats thing tells you like their crimes and like how, what cyberware they're packing or whatever. This dude was packing so much fucking chrome. And I was like, okay, bro, like, chill and then i like walk over because i was like i guess i have to like wait or like i don't know and i accidentally walked by the dude in front of the boxing ring and then saw that like he's like i'm taking bets and i was like well i'm fucking betting on the dude who obviously is packing like so much fucking chrome like i got a bet on him i did he won i got my eddies that was great um and then you go to talk to him and he's like this is the saddest dude i've ever met in cyberpunk like he even the way he talks is like a real like love like he's just like there's not a whole lot of hope in this dude's voice it's like it's real like he's if a person was like the personification of puppy dog eyes that is this man right here (laughs) yeah straight up am i wrong (laughs) no you're not wrong at all yeah so like he's going through it he just wants to be a boxer and like be taken seriously but because of like being with the animals before like they always made him take a dive on his fights and so like people started to pick up on it and so now he's not taken seriously because they see him as like a dirty boxer um and it's like oh man this is real sad so i like go to help him we go over to this place this is like one of the coolest locations i've been to like it's like a big like tower and there's like this giant like chrome like chromed up like maelstrom looking like statue dude uh with like mantis blades i was like this is like a weird like cult religion it was so sick um 
and you know you're just supposed to fight your way upstairs um and i find it like here i i don't know how anyone's supposed to sneak through this area this is fucking impossible <laughs> like like even i took like the sneaky way around like the front lobby part but once you get into the main area i see no way of like getting through anyone uh without like getting detected like it seemed impossible um so i ended up fighting my way up we get to the ripper dock that's supposed to take the chip out of his head or not yeah take the chip out of his head that is like his control chip for diving the like taking the dive on the fights um and he says something like like he's telling you about angie who was like the boss who like told him to do these things and then like he goes to sit in the chair and like get knocked out for the procedure. And my immediate thought is like, why do I feel like we're going to find out who Angie is by the end of this quest? <laughs> Cause like, I was like, this is the perfect time for her to show up while this dude's fucking unconscious in the chair. Uh, then you sit in a wheelchair, you wait and guess what? Angie fucking shows up crazy. She dismisses the fuck out of the Ripper doc. <laughs> fucking poor dude. She's like, get, get the fuck out. Um, and like straight up though, like, Angie was fine. <clears throat> Angie, like <throat> she, like her first impression is she walks in and it's just like side boob. Mm -hmm. Like, and I straight up, if you look close enough or whatever, you see part of the nip. Mm -hmm. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I was like, Angie, you need to chill the fuck out because I know you're a bad person and I need to treat you like a bad person, but I cannot focus right now. Um, yeah, because I'm about to treat you like a bad bitch. Yeah. And she is a bad bitch. She fucking like, I think she like walks up, says something about how like cute it is that Aaron's trying to, and I'm like, oh, fuck that. No, I'm not good. Um, Buttons. She, yep. And like, she like gives you basically the like, oh, like, He's not as good of a person as you think he is. Like he was the the enforcer for the animals um before. And then like he did the dives because they like uh he never like she never used the chip on him. He did it because he was asked. And it's like like, okay, so you're painting like the the picture here. But like in in the end, like she tells you, like, you know, just walk away. And we won't have like I'll pay you, and you'll take ten percent of like the winnings from like when he takes his next dive. And I was just kind of like, like it's like I get it. He's not like he wasn't a good guy in his past, but it's like I can tell by interacting with this man that he like he does have remorse for the things he did, and he really just wants to like stick a like straight life, just like just be a boxer, play it like by the book and like just be on the straight and narrow and i was like like i angie you are one of the baddest bitches i've ran into so far but like like i can't i can't get behind this i can't i can't get behind your organization it's so i did the thing that my v would do jen did the opposite thing from the sound of it um and i i told her no I refused the deal. I killed. I killed the, because basically she aggroed. I hit my my Sandy, uh, and I killed it before the dude at the door had taken a step. <laughs> like I killed them so fast. Like the bro was literally like this. Like he was about to move, and I fucking like I had already like killed her, killed the other guy by the window, and like did my last knife on this dude, and he was dead as fuck. <laughs> I just I thought it was funny. And like, yeah, so she dead. 
and like Aaron gets to kind of like live a free man now. So the gym, uh, it sounds like you took the deal from the baddest bitch on the block. Uh, no, no. Okay. So no, I actually, I didn't accept it and I didn't refuse it because what did you do in your voodoo boys mission back pre Dogtown? Did you kill Sasquatch? Did I kill Sasquatch? The big animal chick oh. wielding a hammer uh, when you're going to find Netwatch. Yes. I think so. I don't know. I mean, I, I like beat the fight. I don't know. I think I killed her. I think I did. Okay. Because if you've defeated Sasquatch then Angie, you can tell her that, and you can threaten her. And that's the option that I went with. Okay. So, um, and what you can do is Angie will be intimidated and completely back off. So I talked this bitch down into her own damn corner. And Aaron will okay. wake up and be completely unharmed. Now, the thing is, is that you can, if you tell Aaron to throw the fight... Or you mention his past, he will throw the fight. But later find satisfaction as a coach for kids in Dogtown. Uh, if you convince Aaron to actually fight, motherfucker loses and travels to Costa Rica where he tries again to be a professional fighter. I don't know. Like, I didn't have this dialogue afterwards. I guess because, like, Basically, she wasn't around to like be a problem, so he just doesn't throw the fight because he basically just told me, like, you know, like, thanks, V, like, I'll see you around. Yeah, so, uh, huh. oh, uh, so it looks sorry, I'm on the wiki. Um, it looks like you might have one more interaction with Aaron. Okay, that's cool, that's which fine. makes I mean, sense. I'm I'm down talking to Puppy Dog Eyes of the Man another time. Um, the the great the one thing though is like I was like I left I go to leave and that like if you killed all of them, um, the the Ripper Doc is like super fucking upset, um, and so like he tells you just get the fuck out and that the other um, the scavs will like let you through, um, because like the the population like replenishes, um, mm -hmm. down at the bottom, um. I didn't care. I killed them all again because I fucking hate scavs. <laughs> uh, the threatening one, it uh, he, the Ripper is impressed and is very proud of you and says, you know, maybe you should come back and see me sometime. And then I didn't have to kill anybody on my way out. And I believe... I didn't have to kill anyone. I was allowed to pass, but I, I chose to kill them all because mm. I do not like scavs. And they, I think they said they were talking shit as I was leaving. And I was like, all right, then. You know what? <laughs> Valid. I was like, I know you ain't going to fucking talk to me like that. Like, You see all these dead bodies down here? I did that by myself. I know you're not talking right now. <laughs> all right. Oh, we got another big one to go through. Because we are here. Get it together, man. Get it together. Yeah, so the next job afterwards, um, which I don't think there's quite as much like intensity here other than like the conversation with Solomon, at least. Um, but yeah, so you get you 
got to call Mr. Hands after the last one. And basically he tells you, like, give me some time because we got to figure out um, how to get into the Black Sapphire. Um, and so he tells you, like, go to the something heart um, and go, like, use the elevator, enter in this code. I go. Um, I feel like the key card thing on option on the elevator has to be something for later because like this seems like a very pointed thing to just have in the elevator listing options to just never touch it. Um, I mean, if they if they do do that, that's fine because that's just like the fun world building. But like I, I see it and it's a blue button that I can press if I have a key card and I don't have a key card, but I feel like at some point I'll have a key card. Um. And I get up there and I do the thing again because I hear talking on the other side of the door. Mr. Hands is just like a dad. Yeah. Because he's definitely talking on the phone to his daughter or something. Like, I was like, bro's just talking to him. I think he says like sugar bear or something. And he's just like, he's like, he's like, hey, just like ask your mom. Like, I'm sure she can do that. And it's just like, this man is just a whole ass father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was so sweet because it was like something about like a, a drawing or something. And he's like, I was really proud of it. And like, yeah, Hans is a dad. I thought that was cute as fuck. And it's like, it, it doesn't get mentioned like in the conversation at all. You can just hear it. And like, I don't know if we'll find out more about it. I hope we find out more about it. I really do. Because I just would love to just have like a scene where fucking Mr. Hans is just gushing about his daughter. <laughs> like That would be fucking great. <laughs> Uh, it would be goddamn adorable. Um, but anyways, like, go in. Dude is dripped the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker's in, like, just, like, fucking Hugh Hefner-ass shit, bro. Like, <laughs> bro's got, like, the fucking, like, soft, like, uh, jacket with, like, the fucking, like, ascot or something. Like, it was fucking, this is fancy people clothes, bro. Um, he running that... a goddamn empire. And... He's pretty damn good looking. Like normally, yeah, he's an attractive man. Yeah, but yeah, um, but he like basically he puts on the flattering, um, because he seems to just really like you, because you're like his like best like mark, um, which like yeah, fair enough. I kind of am to be fair. Um, he even comments on like side gigs if you've done them. Like he commented on the cops and he commented on something else uh like it's another small um i think it was like whenever you do the like the side gig about like getting a setup for like people um like to have like a better like clinic option or whatever Mm -hmm. uh he like comments on those and i was like okay that's cool so the world like like the the dialogue is adapting to shit you've already done which is like such a cool thing to see uh, the world responding to your like actions is sick. Um, and it basically tells us along the lines of he wants Kurt Hansen out of the picture and pretty much wants to be in charge. And I'm like, so far, I don't really have a problem with that because like, sure. Initially speaking, he would really seem like, you know, just like another dude vying for power or whatever. But like, I heard you on the phone talking to your daughter, I know that you're just a genuinely good-hearted person. <laughs> like, please, or at least, please be. Please be. Because that was adorable as hell. I really want you to be just a great guy. Um, so, yeah. And so he's kind of, he's willing to basically help you out for that reason. Because he knows what you're doing. He's going to 
uh, get Hans, uh, Hansen out of the picture. Um, and he even gives you the lowdown on the unification war and how mm-hmm. Hansen came to power, which is cool. I love that we're like getting, the, and a lot of this information we already know just from like all the research we've done, like, and like all the videos we watched pre before this. So we know that, you know, post the unification war, his unit got left behind, abandoned by the government, and he took over. Um, he took his opportunity. Like, so we know that. Um, yeah. I love. I- that was kind of the only screenshot that I took in this area, uh, mainly because I was like absorbing and listening and not remembering to hit the buttons. Um, mm-hmm. So soon after the sides agreed to a ceasefire, Hansen's force was left to fend for itself. Headquarters, the public, everyone feigned ignorance, pretending Hansen and company were never here. Which is cool because that actually leads into the later conversation with Solomon, which is cool. I said, which is cool twice, which is cool, which is cool. Um, But there's another part that I thought was hilarious. Whatever. He basically like, he gives you that information. And he's also like, by the way, it goes without saying. So this man's like, you know, like I know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, And you know that I know what the fuck I'm doing, but this information is completely secure. All of the sources of information are locked down. I don't run things say like, the late Mr. Deshaun. (laughs) Damn, shots fired. Yes, which good, because motherfucker deserves it. Yeah, I just was like, all right, cool. I vibe with you talking shit about him. Um, And then, like, basically go to leave, and he picks up a book. He's just reading a book, which is kind of just a powerful fucking move right? um, to just be like I'm just fucking reading dog and not from like a data pad not from like a hollow like an actual fucking book bound what paper yeah with uh and specifically the book is by Edgar Rice Burroughs and it is the chessman of Mars. And he does say a lot of like chessboard pieces, like like dialogue whenever he's doing it. So uh-huh. that just adds to it. Because I was like, what the fuck? And I meant to look this up to see if this is like an actual book. I forgot. I feel bad. But like, this dude is really fucking cool. So if he's evil, I'm going to cry. It is real. The chessman of Mars is a final... The Chessman of Mars is a science fantasy novel by American writer Edgar Rice Burroughs, the fifth of the Barsoom series. Burroughs began writing in January of 1921, a six-part serial in the issues of like an old-school magazine-type newspaper thing. Um, This is interesting. Wow, it was written in 1922. So this is a fucking, like, 150-year-old fucking book? 155-year-old book? Wow. Obviously, it's not, like, it's probably not an edition directly from it, but it's, like, how long ago it was written, and he has found, like, a copy of it? Mm-hmm. He's kind of nutty. But, yeah, so... Uh, I'm going to put this on my personal scream sheet for next week that I will do more research on this just in case there's like any plot spoilers in this where it's like, oh, he's reading this book and it tells you what's going to happen next. So I will take this on my research. 
cool. But yeah, no, I like Mr. Hands is sick as fuck. I love him. I really like him. Um, everything about him screams good vibes. I'm terrified that he's going to be a bad guy, but like, I hope in my heart of hearts that he's just a cool dad. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we get back to the moth. The relic is fucking up. You collapse. Um, there's a moment where I'm just like, uh, hello, daddy. Um, because he fucking Solomon like runs up in like the white t shirt. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like this is. Man's been in the trench coat the whole entire time. The white t-shirt look is the look. Mm. It's the look for this man. I I had a moment. Uh, because we know that Idris Elba is an attractive ass fucking dude, but like this fucking model, the, oh my god. Anyways, I need to move on. Um, but yeah, I straight up I typed in my notes. Oh, hello, daddy. Um, because yeah um but anyways he like picks you up you come back to consciousness uh and you kind of tell him about what's going on with the relic and this motherfucker says wow rough (laughs) (laughs) which sent me because this had the same energy as like the avatar the last airbender where like Sokka's like my first girlfriend turned it to the moon and zuko's response is that's rough buddy which is like a very widespread meme because of like how just straight up the most unempathetic response you can give to the situation like yeah. oh yeah this relic in my fucking brain is actively killing me wow rough <laughs> I was dying um, but then he starts telling us the details that I've been waiting for which is that he was betrayed by the FIA or at least in terms more actually sold out to stop the war. So they sold him out and like sold him out to Arasaka and said, this was the guy um, and like left him like abandoned him in as he was leaving night city to the Arasaka Mercs that were sent after him. And that's the reason he quote unquote died for the cause before. So like he knows we like we thought for a moment that like like he was just playing all, like along with the with Myers and like yeah no he straight up he knows the information and like it seems like it's common fact that this is known um and probably is known like i feel like now Myers knows that he knows this whereas it didn't seem like he was like she did so i don't know but yeah that's a lot um, it was in this moment that I went, they hired an actor to play this role. Not oh, just somebody. Yeah. yeah. Not somebody who can do a good voiceover. Not just somebody who's a cool dude and, you know, listening to him talk and can portray a good character. I felt real emotion during this conversation and I was so like hanging on his words. Idris Elba is an amazing actor and he proves it in this scene. Yeah. And I think the part like for me that I think kind of got to my, my realization on that was like, we go downstairs 
to like the secret bunker, their safe house, um, which the moth was apparently built over, which fair enough. Um, and he's still telling you uh, like the information about like the how like the end of the war. And like it like dawned on me in this moment because one, like during this next part of it, he sounds like defeated. Mm-hmm. Like he sounded defeated. And they, I will also say, they put effort into like his body animations to like go along with it. Like there's more to his animations than I think anyone else's animations that I've seen so far because like he has the mannerisms of a defeated man, a tired man. Um, and like it's during this part that I also like realized I was like, yeah, we're working with the losers. Like they lost this war. Yeah. Like they may have like they may have been talking about like like how like he was sold out for a ceasefire, but like they still like lost the war because the goal of the war was to unify Night City and the Free States, and that didn't happen. You had to call a surrender because you were overwhelmed, or call a truce because you were overwhelmed. And like that was just that moment where it's like we we don't often see ourselves on the side of like the people who lost and it was like it was just like a thing for me it was just kind of like whoa um and then he gets more into the fact that he's aware that songbird was the one that had to pull the trigger on him he she was the one that had to isolate him and lock him in with those arasaka mercs because they told her to and tells us that like and like you can ask him like are you in this for revenge and he's like i just don't have a vengeful bone in my body anymore and that i think another like a line specifically that was said and i, I should have quoted it but like there was just a, a specific like line that i think you said like so much time has passed like scars heal over and you just don't think about them anymore and it was just like like fuck so you got some heavy lines in this shit and there's also like this small part during this that's like not to this because we we know that and like i will say i really want to believe him because it felt so real like it really did feel so real but there's also a realization to me that i'm in the room with a professional liar like a man whose job it is to professionally pretend like he's not who he is. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm scared of that fact because I want to believe him because it feels so real. It was such a real dialogue that like, it's going to really suck. If like, he ends up being like, not a great guy at the end of this. But right now I'm, I'm on his side, whatever that might be. But I also noticed specifically this to take away from the heavy tone. Um, they put so much detail in this shit. His shirt's wrinkly. He has a wrinkly ass shirt. That shit needs to go in the fucking dryer, bro. But like also, like, yo, you'll put in the details to just have him have like the a wrinkly ass shirt. Really? Like it's crazy. It's crazy that that's like the level of detail they're putting into this shit. I love the, the, so I didn't notice the wrinkle shirt, but what I noticed was uh, his interaction with the environment. Like there was a chair that was knocked over. 
So he went over and he picked it up and he set the chair back up into place and then moved on to a completely different area. And I was just, and then later on in the scene, we walk back and that's the chair that V gets to sit in. I was like, they paid so much attention to so many little details. Like, you didn't need to pick up the chair. The chair could have been upright to begin with. But no, it's just a dude walking around his old haunt, cleaning up the place. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, there's just the level of detail in this stuff is just wowing me even more. Um, but, you know, we get to the end of the, I think there's a thing that like, he might be about to like tell you something more and then Alex shows up. So it kind of like puts an end to that conversation and you're getting the debrief, um, which is basically there's a fancy ass party and you're infiltrating this shit. And like, it's, it was so ironic because like I currently speaking, like the day that we're recording this episode, I had a D and D session where we were going to a fancy ass party, infiltrating that shit. <laughs> so I was just like, Hey, I'm doing the same thing in two different things. <laughs> But yeah, so you're going to this real fancy party and you're getting the mission debrief that you got to like, you're going to have to sneak in through the sewage, like the drainage tunnels. Uh, and you have like a diving suit to get there and Solomon's going with you. And then you have to go up two separate elevators and like Solomon's going to have to go and like basically like release the, the access on like some bridge thing that you're going to have to cross over to get to the area. And then y'all are going to meet up and y'all are going to change into your fucking fits and you're going to infiltrate this party. And it's like, it's like spy mission setup shit. And it's it's a whole fucking vibe. I love it. That was it was that was shit was sick. Like I was like, oh, I'm getting into it now. Uh shit. Which I will state for the record, I had to put the game down like immediately after this mission. And I'm so sad because I wanted to keep going. So like, yeah. Um, and then the gear up, like you had like she's like, anything you need, like take what you need from this room, and you get to walk around the room and take everything. And including she gives you her old gun who uh she says quote unquote is itching to be used and i'm sorry to break this to you alex your gun's still gonna be wishing that it was gonna be used because i'm a fucking knife and katana guy and i'm never gonna use this thing it's a good gun though like it's fun to shoot i believe it i'm not gonna shoot it because i'm not a gun person you should go so, kill like, some scabs with it, though, just to just to have fun with it. Fair enough. I'll set it as my, like, before I get into, like, drive shooting things, I'll set it as my gun so that I can use it the car chasers or something. I don't know. So, and then, yeah, after that, we move on to the next quest. And that's all I've done so far. I love this so much. This, the conversation with Reed talking with Alex, going through all the mission details. It's so fun. And then later on, when you actually get to play it out, oh yeah, it's good. It's good. Oh, all right. But I feel like we could continue talking even more and more about other side quests, other things. But I think this is a good spot for us to wrap it up for tonight. So come give us a follow on Twitter and on patreon.com slash cyberpunklorecast. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can find me on the Two Girls, One Ship podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And if you want more of me, you can check out the Witcher Lorecast. Um, 
where we talk about uh, everything Witcher, as well as uh, the Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast, Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk Apostrophe D, that I do with the Fumbling for an Almighty Great Gang. And at the end of every episode, we shout out Miracle of Sound and thank him for allowing his music to be used. We use snips from the Neon Red instrumental remix. And while you're out there, stay safe in Dogtown. Vault Dwellers, join me, Jax's sassy lady Rover, Eric, and the creator Maverick as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it using at FalloutRTD. You can send us an email using FalloutRTD at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.